Shut up and sit down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is... Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things and... So much talking this week. So he was so busy. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it is. It is hard to prepare a podcast when you think during the week what are going to be the big stories. Well, yeah. There's no time to prep. No. You come up with a few things, and then in the past couple days, it's yeah. just been a mishmash of shit. I mean, all over again. Travel bans. Mueller's interviewing people. Trump's going after uh, war heroes. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's it's bonkers, Nick. It's I bonkers. Want, I just want a normal week. I know. <laughs> I just want real bad. Uh, welcome back. Uh, it's it's me and Bill this yeah. week. Phil Phil is out. He is um, uh, snorkeling off the coast of Nova Scotia. He didn't know he was a big snorkeler. I, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't even know water. you could do that. Well, he's a cold water snorkeler. Is so, he? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Competitive? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure he'll be back next week. Um, but uh, in the meantime, there are so many stories to talk about. We 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 literally did not even know where to start. Thankfully, um, there's uh, there's there's enough really really bad ones to talk about to keep us going for a little while. Um, we got to talk about the the soldier thing. Yes, politi- politicizing of all of this. But. So uh, I guess for the listeners, I'm sure everybody's been hearing about this, but just to walk back a little bit of the history. So on October fourth, uh, four U.S. Special Forces soldiers were killed off the. In Niger, uh, they were doing a, it was a terrorist counterinsurgency with some Nigerian troops, and they were they, they were killed. Uh, and Trump hadn't said anything publicly about it. Uh, the administration hadn't said a whole lot. And so on Monday, I believe it was at the pre- at a press conference, they asked him about it, and you know what his thought was, and had he called the soldiers. And Trump goes off on this kind of bizarre uh, tangent where he talks about that uh, he likes to call those. Uh, the families of fallen soldiers, and uh, also write them letters. And then he has this comment where he says, you know, and, and Obama didn't like, didn't do that, and, and most presidents don't do this. So it was almost a turning it into, I'm better at even this angle than other presidents, which was it led to a big backlash from those in the Obama administration and the George W. Bush. But then it got really weird on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, he actually called the family of, it was... Uh, 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 Sergeant uh, LaDavid Johnson, who was, was killed in Niger, called his widow. And when he made the call, his widow and then Representative Wilson, who they were traveling, I guess, to the airport to, to, to pick up the body, uh, is in there. And there's this conversation. And apparently Trump was, I don't know, Nick, how would we say that? Uh, not, not empathetic? Not human? Not human. Yes. Not understanding human emotion. You know, he made comments to the effect that, well, I guess you know, or he knew that something like this, he knew it could happen. Um, the, uh, when she hung up the phone, she looked at me and said he didn't even remember his name. That's the hurting part. She was in tears. Um, it, it's just, I mean, again, tr- this is not surprising. Trump is not good mm. at empathy. No. Uh, and, and, you know, this sort of narcissism doesn't lend itself well to that. Well, I, I mean, you can tell that someone just kind of said this in passing and you know he just picked up the phone and did what he wanted to do and there was no vetting of it which 
again, we talk about all the time. Why is no one stopping him yes. from picking up the phone or writing a tweet or anything like that? No, his skill set. Or is set. he just off script again? Well, this has to be this has to be structured, though, right? I mean, so right. they, I'm sure after all of the blowback uh, for not doing anything for these four soldiers, they said, we're going to write the letters. You're going to make phone calls. But you gotta know not to do that. He's yeah. so terrible at that. And then he doubled down this morning. He was so he was very active on Twitter this morning. But he tweeted this morning, uh, Wednesday morning, quote, Democratic Congresswoman totally fabricated what I said to the wife of a soldier who died in action. Wrong. And then you're right, I have proof sad. <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, this is it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And again, they he was up early, so nobody could get to him. That wasn't managed. But it's it's just it's, is that his secret? He just gets up before yes, everybody up before else. Everybody else. He's an early riser, <laughs> but so inappropriate. And you knew there was going to be immediate pushback, and as, as being insensitive, uh, the mother of uh, of Sarge of the sergeant uh, came in and corroborated uh, the widows. So this is there's nothing good about this. He should have just left this one alone. Well, I, like why the doubling down and saying that he. That he calls all of these people, right? Like it's just unnecessary. Right. You give you give people every opportunity to poke holes in your story yeah. every single time. This is not, and then uh, another angle to this we haven't talked about was that yesterday he brought up uh, his uh, sec, uh, chief of staff uh, Kelly, hmm. whose son also died uh, in war, and he brought that up. So he's you know he's politicizing all these angles in a way that there's no way you can win by bringing this up. It puts uh, Kelly in a bad spot. It puts the families in a bad. spot. Spot. I, I just, I, I just don't know what his intent with this is. No, and maybe oh, there isn't. I guess. Yeah, but and with Obama, he either called or directly visited a lot of them. A, a lot of them. Not, I wouldn't necessarily. I, I think it's impossible. To right. Exactly. All of them. All of them. Right. Especially when you think about Obama and George W. Bush, where there were higher number of numbers of casualties. For for Trump, it's been a much smaller number. Mm-hmm. But yes, but it doesn't. You don't need to win the war of being the best at dealing with fallen soldiers. It mm-hmm. just it's such a, a strange and bizarre thing. And again, today, uh, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave a press conference and, and again continued the double down, defending her. Not now, not attacking the families, but attacking uh, the Congresswoman Wilson for making this public. But it just seems like there are some battles that you could win. This one is just going to be awful. Yeah, you know? it's not going to be good. So we were talking Trump and his inability to man like this, where you have to be empathetic, you have to deal with families. He was better dealing with uh, the hurricanes. When you think about, he was down there, he was hugging people, throwing paper towels. Well, that's right, the paper towels was not yeah. so good, but he was certainly better that, with that than he was uh, the last couple of days dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with fallen soldiers. There's still time. He could still try yeah. and play paper football with the folded flag and shouldn't this be easy shouldn't shouldn't be dealing with families who've made this sacrifice this should be an easy thing you would imagine you, you're empathetic you give <laughs> people hugs like this is this isn't hard all of the previous presidents whether it was bush or obama this is something that human beings are good at right mm-hmm. not not trump no not really yeah. no the the more that you hear it's just i i don't know i i, I don't even know the, the any sort of cachet that he had uh, with people thinking that he was a a more <laughs> human option in comparison to Hillary Clinton, yeah. uh, that just, I don't know if there's anything left to erode with that, but it, it's it's just not good. No. It's just really not good. It, it, it's awkward. And they, they need to, as the administration tries to manage him, he has his strengths and his weaknesses. This is clearly not a strength. Uh, I just don't understand how they... 
it's been how many months now? What are we, nine or almost ten months? Almost ten yeah. months. How are they not getting to him before any of this shit happens? Yeah. Or is he that unpredictable? I think to that's where you right. have no idea what he could possibly do. When you figure somebody like, so Reince Priebus, the previous chief of staff, was kind of wishy-washy, and I could see somebody like Trump dominating him. But when you're talking about a, a former general as your chief of staff, who's a tough man who knows how to run an organization, and if he can't manage Trump, it can't be done. He's yeah. somebody he's just going to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And the reality is if he finishes his four-year term, we should expect more and more incidents like this. Yeah. Uh, and it's just – it's it's sad. It, it's I, I didn't sad. want to talk about this. I would, <laughs> it's right to pick up Trump's word. Sad. I would rather talk about many other – there are other really interesting issues, but we I mean, you have to. You have to talk about this. Yeah. Well, we can talk about the prospect of uh, nuclear war again, but from a different country. <laughs> From Iran. From Iran, yes. So um, Trump announced that he is formally uh, decertifying the Iran nuclear deal. Iran nuclear deal. Yes. Um, Super. (laughs) Sad. Sad. (laughs) Now, this isn't isn't as big of a deal as that that seems because the way – this this is an agreement that's – you have the permanent uh, five members of the Security Council plus Germany plus the EU that came together for this multilateral agreement. What this is is dealing with an additional piece of legislation that the Congress passed after Obama agreed to this, saying that every 90 days the president has to certify this. Mm. And if the president doesn't certify it, it moves back to Congress, and Congress has the ability to reimpose sanctions. Mm. Now, if Congress does this, that would effectively break the deal uh, because then... You know, Iran basically agreed to give up its enriched uranium uh, to inspections in return for the international community and specifically the United States freeing up some cash and sanctions. So that's in many ways, you're right that Trump just kicked this back to Congress. So he's no longer doesn't want to make that decision anymore. And so Congress now has to decide whether it's going to try to impose sanctions, which What's the likelihood of that even happening? I think it's pretty low. Uh, Congress can't get anything done. And even though I think a lot of Republicans are unhappy with this deal, there's a realization that it has been effective. Now, Supposedly. It's about, right. At well, least superficially. Superficially. Well, the, the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is the one that's going in and looking at this, they've said that Iran has complied. Now, the reason that Trump and other Republicans are upset is the deal itself is narrowly focused on Iran's nuclear capability. Mm-hmm. It doesn't speak to missiles. It doesn't speak to Iran's other disruptive behavior in the area and the region. Right. And that's what Congress says we want to be a part of it. We mm-hmm. want, you know, Trump says we want a new deal. Nobody wants a new deal, though, right? I mean, there's no way that, you know, Europe came out this week and said, this is not going to happen. We've got a deal. Iran, Iran said, that's fine. You want to you wanna break the deal? We would like all of our enriched uranium back. Yeah. You know? so, so we're in a situation where I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of will in Congress. But but who knows? It's, it's possible. I, I mean, on at least from my perspective, I would like the deal to some extent to stay in place but there are severe loopholes in this this they um uh can appoint their own internal inspectors correct to then report to the iaea the that's a good question i'm not sure how that happens but i know the iaea is on the ground they're in there right so it's 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 a fairly intrusive inspection, but With yes, their known facilities. Right, you're not allowed to go to their a couple military facilities, which has been concerning. But I think there is a consensus that Iran is at this point not pursuing nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. They just don't have that enriched uranium. But yes, there are some concerns about that. 
The other is the sunset clauses. So is it 15 or 20 years from now, uh, Iran could begin to enrich uranium again. So that, mm-hmm. that their, their ability to do that at higher levels returns. Uh, now, the agreement itself says that they can never pursue nuclear weapons. So that's that's that doesn't – Trump kind of suggests that. That doesn't make a ton of sense. To allow them to enrich? I mean, in addition to the sunset clauses. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. Well, yeah, I think that that's a good, it's a good point. The thought was that <laughs> as time went by that they could increase – they would have a right to increase their enriched uranium again. Um, and the United States at that point would also have the right to reimpose sanctions. So, so basically, they're saying like 15, 20 years down the road, we will revisit this. Right. They um, kicked the can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just made it more formal this time. Right, right. But the idea being that for 10 to 15 years, you've got the problem solved. Or, I don't know, solved. But the chance of Iran developing a nuclear weapon is dramatically decreased within the deal. Yeah. But realistically, the threat of a nuclear Iran is... I. I would say that their influence on the region and their support for militant and terrorist groups yes. are infinitely uh, more uh, of an immediate concern compared to their nuclear program. Absolutely. 100%. I think the concern is a regime like that, a regime that supports terrorists in, in the region, one that continues to test missiles, mm-hmm. is a regime that you don't want to also have nuclear weapons. Right. So it was a priority. I think the, the Obama administration decided that it's, it's worth – getting a deal on the the nuclear weapons issue by itself because there's no way they couldn't have gotten agreement iran was not going to to deal with the missile issue they weren't going to deal with the other issue so let, mm-hmm. let's narrowly focus this on the weapons uh so yeah. I, I understand that logic but you're right these other issues still need to be addressed well i mean let's look at it through like the lens of looking at north korea yeah realistically the likelihood of them initiating or participating in some sort of nuclear offensive are fairly low i would say that the likelihood of them doing some sort of ground campaign are infinitely higher than that which i I, and again i i think the immediate concern with iran is their uh extremist influence in the region which is infinitely more detrimental and infinitely more likely to cause instability uh than the possibility of nuclear weapons i i I mean The end game with a nuclear conflict is they launch a, a nuclear missile, let's say. I would imagine that I'll pull something out of the air, Israel. Um, <laughs> and then there's immediate retaliation. So there's no interest for them to do that. There's no interest yeah, for them to do it. Works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if they can clandestinely continue to support these groups in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq and... I said Afghanistan. Wow, I said two things, and I almost said it again. Um, That, to me, seems like a much much greater concern. than. I I think that there's bipartisan support to pursue that agenda. I mean, given the the hyper-partisan nature of 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 politics right now, I think you could get Democrats and Republicans to agree to pursue that. But you just have to be careful that how you do that doesn't undermine... The existing nuclear accord and i think mm-hmm. that can be done you could say that there are sanctions you can't reimpose sanctions based on the tenets of the deal specifically mm-hmm. but you absolutely can sanction iran for its behavior support of terrorism sure. uh missile testing mm-hmm. but it's important to keep those separate um whereas trump yeah. i think would like to see one big package he likes mm-hmm. big deals nick big deals well, you have to have <laughs> big deals <laughs> but I, you know I, so it's his 
the national security security staff around him did not want him to decertify this. So Mattis and Tillerson and McMaster all said we would, you know, it's better for the United States to continue to support this. Mm-hmm. And Trump said, I'm not going to do it. And yeah. so you know, he basically throws it back to Congress to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I don't know. The, the concept of trying to separate those two components that we're just talking about. I, I I think if we kept the deal in place, but then said we're imposing new sanctions based on your influence in the region, in the wider region, they're going to say fuck the deal because Iran it's, will, right? Yeah. Like, and Europe will too, right? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. No. So this, again, in my view, this sounds like it's not very effective right. and uh, needs to be retooled. The the agreement itself. Correct, but you, it's hard to do that though because once a, once you've got an agreement, a multilateral agreement, nobody wants to go back and revisit that. So, but they this, do want to revisit it. They want to revisit it in fifteen to twenty years. Right. That's, well, that's, that's point, stupid. But that's the point. Too. Well, you wait fifteen years. I would rather revisit the question of a nuclear Iran fifteen years from now than six months from now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so push push that back. Didn't and, we have this? Don't we have this issue right now with North Korea? Though but they have weapons, so right. So that's right the, but we waited. <laughs> we waited. Well, but the, I think it's fair to say that the the deal that's in place right now is going to prevent them from getting a nuclear weapon mm-hmm. uh, at least for a year. You know, they say that if if Iran were to say that we're going to uh, jump outside of the deal, it would be at least a year before they could, or maybe less. But whatever, there's a significant time there. But they have an incentive. To to stay within this financially, it's in Iran's interest to have these sanctions released. I mean, they are re returning to the global economy. So, but if they're returning to the global economy, that implies that they're stabilizing and integrating into that economy yeah. and not sowing chaos throughout the Middle East, which seems to be their mo right now. It is, but it's important to think about that region, Saudi Arabia. Is also sowing chaos. Oh, agreed. We just don't support the ways in which Iran sows chaos. Well, obviously. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things where it's it's a political end. And I, again, I don't agree with what Iran does in the region, but I understand politically that they're going to pursue those motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we we will see. I I think the other important thing long term to think about is if if one administration signs and agrees to a treaty agreement, and then the next administration comes along and breaks that. It sets a bad uh, tone for future agreements because why would a country want to agree? Why would North Korea want to join an agreement right now if they feel like the next administration may back out of that? So I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. word has to mean something. Uh, and so even though this is a different administration and Trump likes to undo everything Obama, uh, there is some value in keeping these agreements. And I, I think for the issue of the, the narrow issue, of constraining Iran's ability to produce a nuclear weapon. This is an, a good agreement. Mm-hmm. There are lots of holes. It doesn't address a lot of other issues. But for that narrow, specific concern, which I think is a big one, it's fairly effective. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, in your opinion, what is... If one of the major concerns is the possibility of a new administration coming in and decertifying or completely negating the deal that's been put in place, why have part of the deal in place where the president has to recertify every 90 days. Well, remember, that's not part of the, the big deal. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. So that was that that speaks to the Republican Congress, which was tired of Obama at the end and said uh, Republicans in Congress did not like this. And there was this was very, very contentious. And so they agreed to it as long as Obama agreed to the certification. Mm-hmm. So this was an additional hurdle, a partisan hurdle, which, again, is 
to your point, is stupid. Right. Yeah, if you have an agreement... I was just waiting for you to get yeah, to that no, point. No, no, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, and, and I, I understand why Trump is frustrated of having to certify this every 90 days. Obama was frustrated with having to certify it every 90 days. It's sure. stupid. If the... You know, if everybody's on board with an agreement, you 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 agree. <laughs> so. uh, oh my God! It's I, I, yeah, it's it's just exhausting. Like, I well, the, it's just just, about this one though. It's exhausting in a different way. Where our first topic was exhausting in a oh my goodness, I can't believe that's happening. This one, this I understand Trump's position, and I understand the Republicans' position of sure. saying that this is not a this is not a perfect agreement. Mm-hmm. That the United States made compromises, and they were willing to compromise missile concerns. They were willing to compromise Iran's support for ter- terrorism to address this one more immediate concern of, of preventing Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. So, so that, yeah. So much fun. Yeah, it is. Um, do you want to talk about the one beer? The one beer we've the had? One sure. Beer we had. <laughs> yes. Um, so. Yeah, I reach the thing. Um, so we had, uh, Bill and I split a, um, Floyd Division, uh, India Pale Ale from, uh, Three Floyds, correct? Yes, out of Indiana. Yes, which is always delicious. Um, I feel like a lot of their stuff is a lot more distinct than this. Yes. This just kind of felt very standard. I, oh. I didn't oh, spill. I didn't spill. Oh, me. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like I couldn't find anything to really pick out about this one. It was very conventional. It was very conventional, yes. which I'm shocked at. It was, a, it was a good IPA. I will say that all of their their bottles, their labels in their bottle are usually really funky. Yeah. And this is not. It really is not. So maybe no. they decided it's time for us to make just a normal beer. But their, all their other stuff is really good. Yeah. Why, why, this wasn't know. bad, but it just wasn't exceptional. Right. Yeah. Yes. Decent beer. Um, Dumb. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, sorry. Sad. I'm sorry, sad. <laughs> and so I just cracked my second beer, which is an Abbey single uh, from Distill Brewery out of where is this? Um, Bloomington, Illinois. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip right here. We need some drinks down there. Mm. It's very banana y Nick. Is it banana y? <laughs> <laughs> it's refreshing and banana y. Oh so, boy. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm going to crack another in a minute. But regardless, um, Speed rounds? Sure. Uh, a modified without Barker, it's not the same it's, speed round. It's you know? really not. Yeah. No. But we will still but, do. Um, uh, we'll still move through the speed rounds because people don't like us to go on for twenty minutes on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> topics. No. Hold on. So our our first topic is is John McCain, and John McCain is back, and he was. He was given an award. He was given the Liberty Medal Award on Monday. And Joe Biden actually gave him the award. This is a big deal. And in the speech, McCain kind of let loose. And he didn't directly attack Trump, but he indirectly attacked the way in which Trump conducts foreign policy, Mm -hmm. his nationalism. Uh, and, And in general, his approach to the world. We actually have the clip. Oh, it's wonderful. Hold on. Let me... This newfangled technology thing yeah. that all the kids play with. Um, and, and my favorite part is, as we listen to the clip, is McCain's voice. Because you can tell he's just, he's pissed. Uh, and this is kind of his last stand. Yeah, here we go. Uh, to fear the world we have organized and led the three quarters of a century to abandon the ideals we have advanced around the globe. 
to refuse the obligations of international leadership and our duty to remain the last best hope of Earth for the sake of some half-baked, spurious nationalism cooked up by people who would rather find scapegoats than solve problems. This is un is as unpatriotic as an attachment to any other tired dogma of the past that Americans consigned to the ash, cheap, the ash heap of history. Oh, that's wonderful. Poor old McCain. Oh, this is my favorite McCain. <laughs> you know, there are times when John McCain follows the party line, when he becomes a more traditional conservative, uh, and that's that's okay. But this McCain, when he lets loose and goes after after Trump or whoever he goes after, it's I, I like this. You know, the idea that uh, so he says some half baked spurious nationalism cooked up by people who would rather find scapegoats than solve problems. I mean, this is this is a salvo right at Trump. Oh yeah, and realistically, I don't disagree with any no. of those sentiments. Yeah. What I do find interesting is that he was a fairly significant part of those things that he was railing against over his career especially in recent uh, in recent years in terms of trump's agenda in terms of uh the, <laughs> the type of spurious nationalism oh. <laughs> that that he's uh ra again railing against but i understand this is the end of his career he has health concerns i applaud him for doing that and saying that because i think it needs to be said what is his we should talk about his legacy yeah because it's People like to turn McCain into this hero all the time. And sometimes he's a hero, mm -hmm. and other times he's very mortal, and he can be very partisan. Does does the fact that he's pushed back against Trump late in his career, likely late in his life, does that change his legacy? Does it make him more of a maverick? Or what's your sense of all of that? I don't feel like anyone who pushes back against Trump is going to be considered a maverick by any means. No, but if a Republican to do I mean, think about it. So last week we talked about Bob Corker yeah. attacked Trump because he wasn't running for a re-election. And McCain is doing a similar thing. You're not seeing other Republicans do this. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I For me... I can respect this because he's one of the few people attacking Trump for his internationalism, or sure. a sitting Republican. This idea that lack of internationalism, right? Yeah. Exactly. This we're going to do this, this nationalism, this ethnocentrism, and so no. I for me, this was refreshing. I don't always agree with John McCain, but yeah. in terms of later in the speech, he talks about that America has a role to play in the world. Mm -hmm. That our power, that we're not always perfect, but that America's influence matters right. uh, and that was that's nice to see and, and to hear um, mm -hmm. so this was I don't know I, I got some I got some tingles from this Nick <laughs> <laughs> well this was um, Trump awarded him the it was the the Liberty Medal correct? it wasn't Trump though was it yeah it What's, was wasn't it Biden gave it to him I don't know who no, I thought this was about, about that Trump presented him with the medal no no Biden did Trump wasn't anywhere in the room yeah no Trump really yeah Huh. Yeah. Did I see a tweet from him that said that he was very honored that he was able to award that? Uh, he may. <laughs> he may. Yeah, that wouldn't okay. surprise me. I don't know. I will say, so after after the speech went out, uh, somebody, I'm sure Trump found out about it, and somebody asked him about it, and he said, I've been very nice. I've been very nice to him. Mm -hmm. Don't push me, because I don't have to keep being nice. Right? <laughs> don't so this, but don't you think John McCain is at the end of his career. He has brain cancer. He's probably not long for this, this earth. Trump can't, you can't go after somebody 
Like that, as bad as all of the stuff we started the show with in terms of being insensitive to the to, to war heroes, you yeah. can't go after John McCain. Yeah, anymore. you really can't. No, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, is much as you may not disagree or you may disagree with yeah. his particular political stances or McCain, you're speaking yeah. McCain, yeah, yeah. Uh, decisions that he's made over his career. I mean, the guy was in, in a POW camp for right. what five years. He's literally a war hero. He's literally <laughs> yes. a war hero. Yes. And I, I mean, to to level some of the criticism that. Trump has leveled against him and yeah. think that you're going to get away with that. No. There's not going to be consequences to that is it's 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 sad. It's sad. It's sad. 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 <laughs> Long term, McCain wins this battle. Yeah. Uh, so history is going to remember McCain, especially in these final moments, uh, because, you know, people are really pushed in moments of crisis. And, and if we're going to think that this what Trump is doing is a moment to test people. McCain is one of the few voices in Congress, a member, you know, somebody in Congress who is pushing back. And I applaud, again, I don't agree with him on a lot of issues, but mm-hmm. his, his view of the international system and his critique of Trump's nationalism was, was spot on. Well, me. yeah, I mean, in many ways, he was integral and, and a part of the creation of that international system. Right. So I, I, I don't know. It's um, It'll be interesting to see the reaction um uh, along partisan lines and yeah. see if there's any sort of change in rhetoric, especially from the Republicans. I personally don't think there will be no. one iota of change, which is really, really sad to me. But um, I, I, again, I, I appreciate the fact that he had the balls to do that. I think that's a really important point. You've seen one senator who's not running for re-election in Bob Corker and then somebody else in terms of, of John McCain doing it. And that's it. So yeah. the reality is that the critique of Trump can only come from those who are no longer running for re-election. Yes. <laughs> ding, can, ding. Yeah, we actually we went over, and <laughs> I forgot to turn the slider off. So it's hard. That. There's so many things. Yes, going on. I know. Um, Topic two. On. Yeah, more, uh, more, more international news. Thank God. Yeah. Th- thanks for putting international. Yes, stuff I know. On I was here. thinking like Nick and I could that talk international. Really helped me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so ISIS is uh, is pretty much on the run at this point. Uh, American-backed forces now hold about uh, 90 to 95% of uh, the Syrian city of Raqqa, which was their uh, ISIS's de facto capital. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're struggling really, really, really hard. I think they said there were a few dozen fighters left in the city, uh, and they've pretty much lost almost all of their, their held territory at this point. And this is this is a big story that's getting very little attention because right. there's so much other drama going on. But the reality is that you've seen a consistent form Trump policy. Made a bad phone call. We, right. need, to, we right. need to cover right. that. Well, you start this. This is something that started with the Obama administration and it has fairly smoothly transitioned to the Trump administration, mm-hmm. where the United States, in concert with Russia and these American-backed forces and Russian-backed forces in Syria, have have been devastating. ISIS. Mm-hmm. ISIS, is, as you said, is on the run in Iraq. They're on the run in Syria. The reality is that this organization is going to have to transform from a country or an organization that wanted to be a state back to a guerrilla organization. They're going to have right. to go back to a conventional terrorist organization. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. The, the fact that they attempted to, and, and fairly successfully, yeah. uh, attempted to hold vast swaths of territory throughout. Syria and yeah. Iraq and um, the Levant in general yeah. is yeah. is it's insane the fact that they were able to do that and I think that was their fatal flaw the the instant that 
you have territorial control over anything right now. The international system has every possible means to disrupt your control of that area. Whereas something like uh, Al-Qaeda or any of its offshoots continues to exist. And I, I guarantee they, they are, are planning uh, future offensives sure. that we have no idea about very well, clandestinely. ISIS will be. Right, it, or Al-Qaeda or ISIS or both. I was saying Al-Qaeda. Okay, but yeah. yeah, but I think ISIS as well. I think we should anticipate that even though this organization has lost its conventional territory, it's still dangerous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we should think about them now as a different type of threat. So no longer mm-hmm. this, you know, we've been able to, not we, but the United States and other countries have been able to Me focus. Me you. Yeah, right, we that's were right, there. in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a more conventional battle. Uh, and so now this becomes a different battle in terms of, and I think ISIS is probably fairly well suited to make that shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they're going to stick around for a while, but we shouldn't sugarcoat this. This is a big deal for the United States. It's a big deal for the Trump administration. It's a big deal for Iraq as well and Syria to finally get their act together and be able to, to push more or less. Because yeah. it was not, what was it, two, three, four years ago that people were afraid that Iraq would fall to ISIS, that, right. you know, major cities could be falling. Mm-hmm. And so to, over a sh- relatively short period of time to be able to push back and have this organization on the run is, is, a, is a dramatic success. What does it say about the, the difference in strategy between the recent strategy, I yeah. guess, of the Trump administration and the Obama administration when ISIS was at the height of its power? You know, it's a great question. I, I think I there know, was. That's why I said it. I think there's more consistency between the Trump foreign policy and the Obama foreign policy on ISIS than both want to agree to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obama could be very hawkish and very oh, I don't know, brutal when it came to dealing with ISIS, as is Trump. Now, I will say that the Trump administration has uh, freed up the military to some degree, but but still, I think it's a fairly consistent approach to dealing with ISIS. So now neither side, Obama doesn't want to say that Trump just continued my policy and Trump can't say that. But I think there is, there's a fair amount of continuity that suggests that the foreign policy establishment knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. that even though you had these very different presidents, that they could find some some common accord to go after. And again, you know, Iraq, which is a disaster in a whole host of ways, and Syria, which is a disaster in a whole host of ways, has been able to do this, uh, that the United States and, and Russia could agree on mm-hmm. an approach. This, this, all around, Nick, this is a good story. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good story. Yes. <laughs> um, now, I do think the United States needs to and I'm sure they are already doing this, fairly quickly think about now that ISIS is on the run, what is the nature of that new threat? Right. Uh, that and it was is, my next question. It's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, Al-Qaeda-type attacks. Right. Uh, ISIS is still very, very good at using social media. They're still good at pulling uh, individuals into their orbit. So I'm, I don't know if, if ISIS becomes a less dangerous threat. It just becomes different. Yeah. I, I don't know if it gets subsumed by one of the other I would assume it wouldn't because I, I think even those organizations kind of shy away from yeah. that but um, it is interesting to think that we might be going back to the major threat being the types of organizations that we saw right you know 15 16 years ago sure. at this point which is frightening um, I, I think our intelligence apparatus is is infinitely more competent than it was then but yes 
you can't plan for everything. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's right. And the other thing to think about is that terrorism isn't going to stick around forever. We see ebbs and flows of the nature of threats. And so we've, you know, we've been around with terrorism for most of our lives, or most, yeah. at least for me, half of my life. But um, it, it's not always going to be that way. There may be a new type of international threat. So we shouldn't expect terrorism to always be that predominant threat. Yeah, I, I, I can, I see your point. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. Yeah. Like uh, being that this has been around for most of my life at this point. But you're so young. I'm Nick. So, you're so young. So young. And I'm so and old. So old. Yeah. Muscular and yeah. Um, <laughs> and funny and things. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I should be way way more drunk. Um, it. I. I don't know. It seems like it's been such an effective strategy yeah. over the past. Uh, again, you know, decade and a half to two decades. I don't know what what another threat would even look like. Sure. And I don't know if that's, uh, again, because it's what I'm used to, what our generations are used to, but I can't even conceive of what a different type of threat would be. You, there's, you go from standing armies and large-scale warfare to this weird, just just in the shadows kind of war that happens and then these major events and then you know it completely changes ways of life and you don't know where the the next incident is going to occur and no one is necessarily safe but it's uh, again i can't fathom another concept or idea that would be more frightening than that. And I think it would be more effective sure. than that. But the reality is that we're in a world until we're not. So if we think about the Cold War, during the Cold War, we, we would have said the same thing. I can't imagine the Soviet Union going away. And then it did. Yeah. And then we didn't know what to think of it. We didn't even we just called it the post Cold War world yeah, because but, I mean that was we didn't a, even know what it was. Yeah. But it was still a monolithic power that had its its sure. its base and roots in that old system of Absolutely. standing armies but then and people talk about arsenals and, you know this is the end of history like nothing else interesting is going to happen you know because i would love that right now <laughs> so, i would love it nothing else interesting but then happened. something else happened and so we don't know what this next form is going to be it could be nationalism it could, who knows what but something mm-hmm. will pop and it doesn't mean that isis and al-qaeda and all these terrorist organizations are soon going to end but there will be a transition to something new and what that will be you know we won't know for a while fine deep thoughts it's sad <laughs> it's very sad oh uh where are we we're gonna talk steve bannon oh uh, nick i'm excited about this one is he gone? do you want to pull up the you want to pull up the I audio i really don't but okay. i will um <laughs> so i'll introduce this one so on sunday steve bannon who used to be chief advisor to donald trump gave a talk at the values voter summit and in that speech he didn't go after democrats he leveled his attack on Republicans. Hmm. And his point is that there is a war going on within Republicans, within the conservative movement. And we, and we being Republicans, need to go after the Mitch McConnells, the Paul Ryans, and we need to get on board of the Trump train. So it was a, it was a just really rhetorical flourish in terms of the nature of the attack. Should we go to the videotape? Go, yeah, should we had the videotape. Voters, <laughs> in his war against the Republican establishment. This is not my war. This is our war. And you all didn't start it. The establishment started it. But I will tell you one thing. 
you all are going to finish it. Oh, <laughs> I better finish it soon. He's, right. He's, <laughs> some labored breathing there. Yeah, well, he's not in good shape. No, I can't um, imagine he would be. And and the blue blazers that he wears and his khaki pants. It's very slimming. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So we talked a little bit about this last week, but I find this interesting that Bannon is not going to give up. And no. and he is going to push in the midterms and, and moving forward for a very different type of Republican Party. Not the Mitch McConnells, not the Paul Ryans, not the more fiscal conservative, uh, conservative, but the evangelical, the Roy Moores, who is, you know, in, in Alabama. And the question is whether he's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your sense of that, Nick? Uh, the sad part is I bet he will be fairly successful yeah. with that. And I don't know if that's a... I've been going back and forth on this for, for the past couple of weeks yeah. and, and trying to figure out where the divide actually is between the different parts of, of the American populace. And I... As much as we try to keep a, a a unified front and and you know make ourselves as uh, make ourselves into uh, um, you know Americans and we have shared values and whatnot, what has come out of this election and immediately preceding that and and after that is there are so many individual pockets where people just have so vastly different viewpoints and I, I think that was that was ignored to a, a very significant extent up until recently and if I, I, as much as Bannon is this boisterous just loud fucking piece of shit that nobody really likes he's tapped into something yes. that was there yeah um, he didn't invent it. It was he, there. It was there. He was smart enough to realize that yeah. it was there. And the question for me is, how big is that movement? I, I'm not convinced <clears throat> it's big enough to consume the whole Republican Party. Because no. the, the Paul, there are a lot of Paul Ryans around, right? right? In terms of this more fiscal conservative who is not as driven by social issues. That's that's a big segment of the Republican Party. It's a big segment of suburbia, right, that, that drives that. Yeah, yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But I'm I'm seeing you know, I'll just use my own family yeah. as an example. You as much as it's a fiscal thing to be a Republican, more and more of the rhetoric and the ideas and their viewpoint as Republicans is coming from this social, societal, civilizational sure. viewpoint, which is it's interesting and I don't want to say frightening, but it's mm-hmm. um it's just something that I didn't expect to see, and no. it's getting it's getting ramped up very, very quickly. It was telling this week. So Roy Moore, the uh, Senate candidate from the Republican side, who will be running against a Democrat, but will certainly, I think, win. Roy Moore is the one who has uh, called, suggested that Muslims shouldn't be seated in Congress. He has, oh, I'm trying. He has. Uh, it was it was kicked, fired twice uh, for uh, ignoring Supreme Court decisions this week. He said that it's illegal for NFL players to kneel. So, I mean, he is the... Well, obviously. (laughs) He is the perfect Trump candidate, although Trump didn't support him, which is kind of a bizarre thing. Yeah. Excuse me. Republicans are slowly coming out and supporting him. Senators are... Rand Paul this week. So, of all the Republican senators who I thought would not make that, Rand Paul is one who I thought there's no way... 
he's going to jump on the Roy Moore bandwagon, and he did. Well, that's what's what's kind of telling. So yeah. you would assume that if this was a just kind of a, a a passing fad or something like that, you wouldn't see moves like that. But people in those positions don't make moves like that unless they see yeah. a change in the wind. Right. Because it's going to benefit them later down the road. And so Republicans are looking at this saying, we have a choice. Senate Republicans could say we're not going to support this particular candidate. We're going to support the Democrat, which would be insane to think about. That would be quite insane. Yes. But there, oh, there was a story this afternoon saying that I think there was a, like Roy Moore's campaign took a thousand dollar donation from a openly Nazi group. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. so this is they may be pushed in a way where they have to distance themselves. But up until this point, they haven't. Yeah. Uh, they're embracing a nationalist, ethnocentric uh, par- part of their party. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mitch McConnell has to be freaking out about all this i think so but i i think you can also say that about the their counterparts on the other end of the spectrum democrats i I, yeah as much as you want to give the republican shit for going down this road i think that the the rhetoric that you see and the the attacks level against the republican party are showing that they're moving in a a direction that's equally as as opposed to the republicans as the republicans are opposed to them sure the republicans are being pulled apart everything is being pulled apart it's all it's all just (laughs) no and the the democrats are as well you could talk about the hillary versus the bernie sanders uh, divide within the democratic party but the nice thing that unites the democrats is that they hate trump so they've got this one variable that allows them to come together and they say well you know, Bernie and Hillary don't agree on uh, economic policy, but we both can agree that we don't like Trump. Right. If they're actually, if Democrats actually get in power, then that becomes an issue. Right. Well, it's yeah, it's but the yeah, exact same thing. But they don't have any power anywhere. Well, Supreme no, Court, no, not, Congress, they no. Suck at Pre- anything. <laughs> so, but you're right. I think long term, the Democrats have to address these issues. But in the short term, if the Republicans hope to govern, they've got to find a way. I think they'll continue to govern. But... Wait till wait till Roy Moore is in the Senate. And oh, he starts so saying fun. some of these things. Oh, it'll be so much fun. I mean, on the Senate floor, oh, yeah. fun, awkward, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that for whatever reason, if Trump isn't reelected or something else happens um, uh, and a Democrat is, is in power, I think you'll see the same, the same type of split within the party. Uh, and a, a, a re-solidification of the Republican Party. It's just, I, I think that's the balance at this point. Long-term, both parties have to find some way of being big tent parties. Otherwise, the American political system becomes a multi-party system. Which uh, I, again, it can't I happen, don't really... Right? I, 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 I would love it. <laughs> but, but I don't think it, it's... It, at some point, the pressure becomes so severe. I mean, we could talk about France. We could talk about other countries where they have been predominantly two-party systems. And the pressure is there where they've now they're now breaking, and so yeah. that might happen here. I absolutely think that that needs to happen. And you know what's you know what's yeah. really interesting? You hear people on the right and people from the left say, "Well, we need to have different parts of this because they're not extreme enough at this <laughs> right, point." Right. And it's 
it's bizarre that we've gotten to that point. It's such a hard thing to do, though, given that the institutions in the United States are so structured around a two-party system. Yeah, I'm curious to what that would look like. It'd be, it'd be hard. It, it may happen. If these ideological differences are so significant, it might have to happen. But we're, we're probably still a ways away from there. But you're right that those those cleavages are growing. God, that'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, boy, <laughs> that would be fun. Um, can we talk Christmas, Nick? I love Christmas. Yeah. We can say it again. Yeah, that's right. Yay! All right. So our next speed round topic <laughs> is Donald Trump on Christmas. Uh, this was another, sometimes, uh, not sometimes, all the time, Trump picks battles that don't need to be picked. Uh, and, but he tries to find these issues, and he spoke about Chris- Christmas. Yeah. Let's, let's play this yeah. real quick. We are stopping coal, the attacks on Judeo-Christian values. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) And something I said so much during the last two years, but I'll say it again, as we approach the end of the year, you know, we're getting near that beautiful Christmas season that people don't talk about anymore. They don't use the word Christmas because it's not politically correct. You go department stores and they'll say Happy New Year and they'll say other things and it'll be red. They'll have it painted but they don't say, well, guess what? We're saying Merry Christmas again. Yeah. Uh, Nick, this <laughs> makes me think Christmas isn't going to be comfortable. <laughs> so, this is another one of Trump's where it came out of nowhere. There, it wasn't as if there was a big issue. Similar to the NFL scan, a scandal, a division, like he made this an issue. I wonder whether he's going to make Christmas, as we move closer to Christmas, a an issue. Hey, he played the crowd. Did you hear? Did you hear that yeah, woman crowd, screaming? crowd loved it. <laughs> crowd loved it. And I will say, I had to edit out some of the crowd clapping because it yeah. went on for 20 seconds. And yeah. People don't want to hear that. I, oh, I mean, clearly people want to hear that. Oh. I, it's, 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 int- and it, you know, um, dovetailing from our, our last topic, it's, um, that really resonates with a lot of people, especially on the right, regardless of right. where they sit on the spectrum of the right. That means something to them. They will need to explain to Trump that Jews aren't as excited about Christmas as Christians are, right? So this, but Christmas is fun. <laughs> so his, he needs to understand his Judeo-Christian comments. And his, I, I, I'm torn on this, Nick, because it's gonna be it's gonna be uncomfortable. He's going to he's already ruined the NFL. He's going to ruin Christmas. <laughs> the NFL was ruined to begin with. <laughs> so, I, I, is this really an issue? Like, are people? Are we? Are, do Christians really feel that Christmas is being targeted? Yes, they do. Okay, they do. Yes, they do. Oh, so, <laughs> is it wrong? So you know, he talks about that stores have you know red, but they may not say Merry Christmas, and they may say Happy New Year. Is this is that that big of a deal when we think about multiculturalism? To say we are a country that has a variety of different faiths, and we're not going to jam Christianity down everybody's throat. So we'll try to be understanding and sympathetic to a variety of different views is that does that feel like an attack on christmas i i think that the thought is that um it's not an issue that we're a country of many different faiths and beliefs and that it's that the foundational elements of that are the ones that seem to be at least from the perspective that i'm talking about are the ones that are getting marginalized in place of uh, other viewpoints that are not 
indicative of the majority of the population. Is it being replaced, or is it just the presence of alternative views? Because I, I can understand what I you're saying. I don't. I really don't think it's it's the um, the presence of alternative views. Yeah. I think it feels to a lot of people that something that was so fundamental and foundational sure. to their upbringing and you know the uh, the history of the United States, especially over the past century, is something that is now it's it's a dirty it's a dirty word you can't bring it up it's but we can bring up which i, I and again i don't think this is a hanukkah thing i think this is you know a uh, a uh, uh, ramadan or or sure Kwanzaa diwali or, or, or yeah, yeah anything anything else can be brought up in place of christmas but if you bring up christmas then that becomes an issue sure so i i I really think that that's the viewpoint that people are coming from. And I understand that. I, I think the country is finally having to reckon with its own constitution, this idea of separation of church and state. And for a lot of times, you know, for a long time, we said, yes, absolutely, separation of church and state. Well, but, but Christianity is the dominant faith, and that's mm. who we are as a country. And now we truly have become the melting pot that we always proclaim to be open to. Yeah. And that's harder, right? Because now you've got different faiths and different religions and different practices. And I, I still think Christian. if you are a non-Christian in this country, you are going to think Christianity is everywhere, like Christmas is everywhere. You're going to feel that. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm not, I, I don't think that Christians are being targeted. I think it's just, it's a, it's a proportional effect. I don't think they're specifically being targeted either, but I yeah. think that they're I think that there is a <clears throat> at least a um, an attempt to which isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah. to include other faiths or religions sure. or beliefs or anything like that. But I, I do think that people believe that when you say Merry Christmas or evince that belief in mm-hmm. a public setting, it becomes a point of contention where as if you brought up a a minority viewpoint or belief or religion that that is something that that can be openly discussed sure. regardless of of what you're no, that's where f- you are. That's fair, but I w- I don't think there's other just sh- we're it all over the place. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I don't think there are I I can't, I can't think of other faiths that are as prominent as Christianity and Christmas, right? I mean it's everywhere. Yeah. Um so it's I, I don't know it's it's Okay. I'm, I'm worried about how this Christmas is going to go, Nick. <laughs> we do this every year. Like, realistically, regardless of Trump saying this, we this is a fight that happens every single year. And you know what? I guarantee I'm going to have this fight at Thanksgiving and Christmas <laughs> and all the parties in between. I, I know, but we haven't had Trump, right? I, he, I mean, it's it's a different thing. But this is a thing. Like, this is He's tapping into something that was already there. Let, the right. fact that That's these true. people can talk about this stuff and people support it, I, you can blame them for all the ills that are, sure. are now com- This is something that was integrally part of the populations that sure. are now upset or angry about it. it. It's cultural shift, right? We're... we're- the culture is becoming more diverse, and that's a difficult thing to go through. And it's going to cause these feel. It's going to cause feelings of being persecuted. And so Christians feel like, as this world is changing, we're being persecuted. I, I'm just not as convinced that it's it's truly a persecution. It feels more like a diversification. It is. Yeah, I yeah. would definitely say it's a, a diversification, and th- there is some element of people feeling that they're they're persecuted. Yeah. Um, I I would counter that and say that. 
the vast majority of the population in the United States is still Christian. Sure. Which, you know, it, right. it, it's not, you know, nobody's saying, I'm certainly not saying that you should mandate yeah. saying Merry Christmas in public places. But I, I, I think there's something to be said for the foundational elements of, of the country that we live in. Sure. And accepting uh, other religions and beliefs into that. It's I I'm not really sure where the middle ground on that is yet, but I I I think people are afraid that whatever the change is going to be, that it's happening too quickly and too hastily. Yes, no, I would agree with that, but the reality is the system itself should allow for a Jew or a Muslim to get to a position of power. And so it's it's like you should be able to run for president. You should be able to, to run for Congress. I'm, I'm thinking Roy Moore is, is all of this. Well, we were talking about Christmas, and now you're getting really deep and heavy. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Well, no. But I'm just saying, when you t- I think you're right to say that the culture has been defined through these Christian, Judeo-Christian norms, mm-hmm. and that's shifting. I still think that narrative, is, if we're talking about a newspaper, that's still page one. Uh, it's still all the normal narratives. It's just that other stories are being told. And it's hard to get on page one if you're not that still sort of narrative of Christmas and Christian. So sure, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I. <laughs> he's gonna transition. He's gonna transition from the NFL to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's seamless. Yeah. Um, final to... final question. Oh, Can I ask Nick? Yeah, Can I please, ask? Okay. So there, there were so many issues this week that uh, we decided to combine two big issues: the travel ban and the fact that uh, Sean Spicer, Spicy, and Ryan's Priebus uh, were interviewed by the special counsel. And so the question, Nick, is: What's Trump more worried about? Is he more worried about the fact that his travel ban 3.0 was overturned by two judges this week? Or the fact that Sean Spicer spent most of Monday being interviewed by special counsel Mueller and Priebus spent most of Friday mm-hmm. doing this. Nick, who's what's more worrying? Uh, I think he's worried about uh, the NFL currently <laughs> um, right. and Christmas. Um, I, I, I don't really think that he gives a shit about the travel ban. At I agree this point. with you. I, I th- I'm the same. I'm of the same mentality. Yeah. Um, the the Spicer and, and Priebus thing, that's a little worrisome. Yeah. Uh, that has very deep and wide-ranging implications for the administration going forward. What those are, I guess it depends on how angry they are that day. I, I think so. A lot of Trump's more erratic behavior, I think if we put the calendar of what Mueller is up to with his behavior, I think it would overlap. So when Mueller is doing things like interviewing Spicer and Priebus, or he's interviewed a whole other group, or he's looking into things, some of which we don't know, but he may know, mm-hmm. he being Trump, I think this is driving some of his uh, strange behavior. I, I really, really think he's worried about this. You think this is what it is? I think so. <laughs> I think that he's worried that he's going to be found... Not for obstruction of justice is a debatable case, and we could talk about that at some point. But I think he's worried that Mueller is looking into the financial stuff. That Mueller has potentially something on Trump that could be uh, criminal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got Flynn. I mean, Mueller has Flynn. He has uh, Manafort. Those two guys are going to jail unless they squeal. Uh-huh. And if there's something on Trump, they are going to squeal. And now he's now he's squeezing these other others individuals around. I mean, 
what would you have to talk to Spicer about for almost a whole day? That's a that's a like, you're getting into some details there. If Sean Spicer is being interviewed for a whole day, I mean, I assume he just broke down. He's, <laughs> he's very, very yeah. and, and maybe started yelling too, right? right. Spicer was good at that. <laughs> um, it feels like that. The obstruction of justice, the Russian investigation, has been put on the back burner in terms of the news coverage because yeah. we're not getting Mueller. There's, there's no, no titillating things. There's right nothing. Now. I mean, he's running a tight ship. Nothing is coming out, but. At some point, there is going to be something, and it could be pretty significant. Yeah. And Trump and his lawyers are talking about this, and mm-hmm. I think this may cause or explain some of the more bizarre behavior that's coming out. So what's the likelihood that we see anything come out of this? We've been talking about this yeah. investigation for the better part of 20 episodes yeah. at this point. When is something going to come out of this? Mueller's in no rush. Well, I, I, this, yeah. That's like, what? what's the end game? If... If the information that he has from the previous members of the administration is damning enough, yeah. What again? What what is? Why why is it taking so fucking long? Right. You could see. I, I would guess if I had to put money down, I would say that Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn will be indicted if they haven't been. So those the, those will be cases, and that may be it. There may be more. And if, if there's more, that's the big deal. So if they have Trump on any kind of obstruction justice, obstruction charges, or if he knew about the Russia stuff, that becomes really that becomes Watergate type story. But do you really think that he knew any of that? Or he was complicit in any of that behavior? I, I don't know, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so here's so this week, this this last week it was revealed that Manafort and this Russian is it aluminum oligarch? I can't remember what it is, Deripeska. That they had they had financial interactions upwards of sixty million dollars. Meh. <laughs> so Whatever. And so what I keep grappling with is why did Trump choose Paul Manafort? Mm. I, I don't understand why he would do that. I mean, yep. he there's a lot of people. Paul Manafort doesn't have a lot of experience in the political system. Why does he go that direction? Yeah. And I don't I don't know. Uh, and then why is Trump so not anymore? But why was he so complimentary of Putin and Russia and all of this? So I, I don't know if there's anything there. And I think you're right to say that we need to be cautious and careful about not jumping to conclusions. But th- this is this is stuff, Nick. I'm not saying it's not some stuff. Yeah. But, I like, again, we've been talking about this oh, ad yes. nauseum. And, and I, there's, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Either he's trying to build a an airtight case where there is no doubt yeah. that, you know, Trump was complicit in this behavior and knew exactly what was going on and, you know, was learning Russian as he was trying to become <laughs> a KGB right. agent. Or there's not enough evidence there, and he's continuing to grasp at straws. You know who knows the answer to that? Who's that? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so for me, is, is, is his erratic and bizarre behavior at all linked to this investigation, or is it just who Trump is? It could be, it could be as you suggested, that Trump is just a strange guy who's got some weird idiosyncrasies. He's had hurricanes. Right. He had a mass shooting yes. to deal with. He's got NFL players kneeling. He didn't even want to be president. No. All of this, right? And so maybe that's what's going on, and that explains this. But it is also possible that he's freaking out yep. about the fact that Mueller might know about XYZ. Um, I, 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 I don't know. No. We don't know. I No. I, I, mm. For the podcast's sake, we better hope there's a whole lot there. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're going to be really, uh, really short on content. If, if he, <laughs> Trump if he ever goes, goes away. away. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, was there anything else we wanted to go over? Or are you good? I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we didn't discuss it at, um, at the beginning of the podcast, but um, as I try to do multiple things at the same time. Um, if you like what you hear... Um, Oh wait, no, that's not the wrong. Can you can you yeah, do yeah. the, can you you're do the talking, plugs? You're talking Facebook, yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're enjoying the podcast, of course, follow us on Facebook at at Barstool Politics, uh, Twitter at Barstool Paul. Uh, you can enjoy all of our beers or re- read our reviews on the Untapped app. Uh, we also. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, you know, one of the biggest things for us is sharing the podcast with your friends, letting other people know we're trying to grow the podcast. Uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, I don't know. That seems like all of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, or the oh, the email. I always forget the oh, email. The email, of course. At Barstool Politics. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Barstool Politics <laughs> at Yahoo.com. Email has been so, so quiet. So, so quiet. Um, well, hopefully Phil will be back next week. I think sno- you only you snorkel to- for like a week. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's only so much you can do. Right. There's only so many fish in the sea. Right. <laughs> Norway? Yeah. Was it? Uh, off the coast of Nova Scotia. Oh, I'm sorry, Nova yeah. Scotia. Yeah. He, I always Phil likes big those. waves, you know, because snorkeling in the big waves, he's all about that. Right, yeah. yeah. That's where the real snorkelers yeah. go. Um, well, yeah, th- th- thanks. We, yeah, we cheers. It. This yeah, is fun. Thanks. Yeah.